0: From the Rockford Plaza Studios, it's The Weekend with Gary. Now, in the studios, your host, Gary Coley. Well, hello everyone.
1: Welcome to The Weekend for this uh, July 25th and 26th, uh, 2020 and welcome to the weekend podcast uh, it's the first one that we have had uh well this is the very first one so uh i'm not uh, for sure uh where we're going with it but uh i'm for sure that we'll find uh uh you know uh, a good audience or at least i hope we do but uh anyways uh i tried to uh, put it together yesterday and it just wasn't a fail and uh I, uh, I remembered that I had this uh, um, uh, studio caster that, uh, that I downloaded, and I thought, like, you know what, this one would probably be better off than the one that I was using. So <laughs> that's what we're doing here uh, uh, today, and uh, anyways, it's uh, going to be much uh, more convenient for us to use than the one that I was using uh, before. So uh, how's everybody doing here today? Uh, how's everybody's weekend you know we begin our weekend here now and uh, we are uh, you know we're uh, we get pumped up and we're we're excited and you know we got uh, you know we got through it uh, which is uh, which is really uh, you know a, a good thing uh, you know I mean normally uh, you normally have to uh, these weeks uh, these weeks are just long but the other half of it is is that you know these weekends are very boring and you know what i call them i call them the covid weekends you know i mean because we really don't have anything to do on the weekends anymore there's not much uh, you know going on you can't go out you can't uh, you know go and do a lot of social gatherings uh, there is some things that are open nowadays, uh, you know, you can go uh, to like the city markets um, One of these weekends, I'm going to be going to the city markets I don't know which weekend I'm going to be going to it But I'm going to be going to a, the city market the Rockford City Market here in a couple more weeks here and uh, You know buy some fresh uh, produce uh, and you know fr- fresh vegetables, you know you, you can do a lot of stuff with fresh vegetables. You can you know, you can cook them the best thing is is to cook them and then fr- freeze them. Uh, today I got some uh, I got some. Uh, it looks like uh, to me it looks like uh, some rhubarb. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cook it in the uh, uh, you know cook it uh, and then I'm going to freeze it and then uh, we'll uh, we'll make some strawberry uh, strawberry rhubarb jam or something out of it uh, eventually. So. Yeah, you know, you can make a lot of good stuff out of, uh, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables. So uh, d- the best thing is is to cook them and then let them, you know, dry out and then uh, freeze them. Uh, put them in baggies, you know, sandwich baggies or, you know, p- put them in something that, uh, you know, that they will, uh, you know, that they will keep uh, for a long time. And then you can, uh, you know, refreeze them. So there's a lot of great uh, you know ideas out there, and uh, there, you know there's some things that uh, we're going to uh, you know discuss over the week weeks, and hopefully we'll have uh, you know some g- great ideas coming up. If you ever want to be a part of the uh, if you ever want to be a part of the uh, uh, podcast, please let me know. Uh, you know this uh, studio um, the studio uh, uh, the the thing that I have here for uh, you know the studio podcasting. Uh, we can uh, really uh, go take and actually work it out. You know where we can have uh, you know have our get gu- have guests. You know, uh, you know I can Skype guys uh, in or you know over the telephone. Um, it's uh, really not uh, any uh, you know bother or pain. So we can do it. Uh, we can uh, do it either through Google uh, Google Voice or we can do it through Skype or we can do it through Zoom. Uh, Um, It it will not matter on what uh, type of a uh, type of a way that we'll actually be able to do it So it's uh, going to be quite interesting there as well um this past week uh, Well this weekend we're going to be pretty warm and then it's going to cool off after this weekend Um, Pretty much pretty much below normal temperatures possibly coming up next week Um, Doesn't look like that. There's really any good rain chances as far as I can tell uh, coming up so uh, you know, we need to we need to continue to monitor that uh, throughout the uh, throughout the throughout the weeks as well. And uh, let's see what else uh, can I uh, actually say that is uh, quite amusing. Um, you know, we are uh, we're still uh, really unknown about uh, the, uh, the, stimul- the 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 stimulus package that we're going to be having coming up. Um, so, we, you know, we got we to gotta go take and, uh, you know, hopefully that will pass, you know. I have, uh, am I really for the uh, stimulus package itself? Uh, yeah, I am. I, uh, I think that we do need it. Uh, are we giving out handouts and give-me's to uh, some people? I, it's very difficult to say, you know. I mean, do I think that the $600 that we were uh, living off of with the unemployment benefits... Could could that have been a little less? That could have been maybe. Uh, Do I think that $200 to $300, that would be more of the incentive, I do believe. Um, One of the things that, uh, you know, the administration and uh, the Republicans would like to do is the $428 uh, incentive fee if you go back to work. Uh, I don't know how that is actually going to work, actually, to be honest with you, either and that is uh, something that uh, you know we're going to have to keep an eye out on as well so uh, i'm not really for sure on how that's going to all pan out but i am for sure that we will see what's going to happen there as well so um we'll um we'll continue to monitor these things and developments and i'm for sure that they're going to be uh there will be more uh, information that will become you know that we can pass along to people and uh, that we will have so um, I'm not for sure on how that's going to be uh, uh, you know totally speaking of that you know uh, there is one thing that um, you know ABC 7 the I team they investigated uh, this uh, they investigated this they're saying that patients are reporting weeks-long waits at the COVID-19 test results says the cases are surging here in the state of Illinois um, have anybody heard anything about that uh, at all? Uh, let's, li- uh, let's listen into uh, what uh, the ABC7i team had to say about this, uh, and then we'll, uh, I'll come back uh, with uh, my take about it, okay? So uh, let's, uh, let's listen into it and see what uh, they have to say.
2: Health experts say it is a domino effect as cases surge in some states. The demand for testing also increases and as more tests are done, the longer the wait is for results. We talked to one man who says he waited 20 days. Sam Savita of Oak Park had a fever and wanted to be tested for COVID-19 before going back to work, so he went to this CVS June 29th. He says he waited 20 days for results. You can imagine how frustrating it is trying to get back to work, trying to get back to normalcy. CVS Health says it tells patients third party labs are used, saying increased cases and the high demand has caused backlogs for our lab partners, and then it may take six to 10 days or even longer for the results. Between the lack of materials, and the volume—it's just impossible for places to keep up. DePaul University bioethicist Craig Klugman tracks health trends and helps facilities make decisions on testing and treatment. He says delayed results affect tracking and containing the virus. It makes it hard for us to know what the extent of community spread in is and where the hot spots are happening. Say somebody gets a test in a classroom, and we don't know for a week. Do we shut that classroom down for a week? I fear that people are actually very sick, or I fear that people could lose their jobs because of this. While he was waiting, Savita went to Rush Oak Park Hospital and got his results within two days. Rush says that it processes its tests in-house with an expectation of a returned test within 48 hours or sooner. And there was good news. Savita tested negative. Nationally, testing is outpacing labs' abilities to turn around results quickly. According to the CDC, last week 1.6 million Americans were tested, compared to 56,000 the first week of April. Quest Diagnostics, a lab which serves half of physicians and hospitals in the US, recently released lab testing data saying, despite our rapid scaling up of capacity, soaring demand for COVID-19 molecular diagnostic tests across the United States is slowing the time in which we can provide test results. As a result, Request's average turnaround time for non hospitalized patients is seven or
0: more days. The labs are so backed up, they don't have enough people to process the tests.
2: The executive medical director of infectious disease and prevention at Advocate Aurora Health is also concerned about the impact on public health. If I were to have the
3: disease, it's important to be able to track down all the people I was in close contact with. And if I have to wait a week or longer for my test to come back, that makes it
0: very difficult to do.
2: CVS Health says its lab partners are working hard to address the issue of delays, and CVS says it's talking to potential new lab partners to keep up with all the demand. It's important to note that the state of Illinois also has COVID-19 testing available. That information on our website, abc7chicago.com.
1: Hey. Interesting say the least um yeah you know you uh you got to think about that that's a that's a you know i mean people are getting people are waiting for the results and they don't know if they're you know that they're going to get or if they if they have it i mean is that i mean is that a concern for you know is that a concern or what would be the situation there you know i mean uh, think about that that's a um that's right there is very very interesting uh, i don't know uh, we'll uh we'll have to see what goes on there uh and uh see here uh what is uh, going to happen uh meanwhile you know we see the u.s is surpassing four million coronavirus cases that's in the news now and uh, this comes from abc news uh let's uh Let's uh, get uh, the information from them on this. Hold on here. I forgot to. Let me see. Meanwhile, yeah, okay, let's go take and go to it.
4: This morning, new video of people defying mass orders at this outdoor worship service in Redding, California. The group, started on a Facebook page called Let Us Worship, says it's the start of their tour through five cities in California. According to a local public health official, the organizer said it would be a small event so a permit was not required. It comes as California reports its highest number of virus deaths in one day, pushing the total death toll in the state over 8,000. The frustration boiling over at this testing site near San Francisco with people waiting in line for hours. This is a crisis, a pandemic, an epidemic or whatever you want to call it. This should be a top priority. Across the country, the number of cases now surpassing 4 million, the total doubling in only six weeks. According to an internal FEMA memo obtained by ABC News overnight, staffing shortages in Alabama are quote, increasing the strain on the healthcare system. And Hot Springs, Arkansas has seen a nearly 200% increase in infections in the last week. In Florida, where cases are surging, 55 hospitals no longer have any ICU beds available. Miami's mayor is now urging people in multi-generational homes to wear a mask inside their home to protect their loved ones. Data shows it decreases transmission. It's not easy to
3: keep a mask on and keep six feet away from everyone in small homes.
4: President Trump has now canceled the Jacksonville, Florida portion of the Republican National Convention, citing a flare-up in cases.
5: I looked at my team and I said, the timing for this
4: event is not right. Earlier this week, Jacksonville sheriff raised concern about that event.
3: With less than 40 days until the expected Republican National Convention is slated to arrive in Jacksonville, uh, I am compelled to express my significant concerns with the viability of this event.
4: Dr. Deborah Burks from the White House Coronavirus Task Force is now warning leaders of these 11 major cities seeing a surge in cases to take immediate action. This is really critical um, that everybody is following this and making sure they're being aggressive about mitigation efforts. Dr. Anthony Fauci's acknowledging it could be another year before life returns to normal in the U.S. The timetable you suggested of getting into 2021 well into the year, then I can think with a successful
2: vaccine, if we could vaccinate the overwhelming majority of the population, we could start talking about real normality
4: again. But with coronavirus testing resources scarce, a potential breakthrough in COVID tracking, instead of testing only people, research teams at the University of Oregon are testing buildings, swabbing surfaces and air ducts, and taking air samples.
3: We can't test every person every day, but we can test every building every day.
4: A senior living community in Oregon says it's already seeing results after the technology detected the virus on three surfaces, including a worker's keyboard.
2: It was a great detective story. Ultimately, that offered us five days advanced warning before any of the employees that tested
4: positive actually showed symptoms
2: hi everyone george stephanopoulos here
1: sorry about that um still learning <laughs> still learning how to do this thing so i will uh continue uh doing it uh you know tweaking things out here so but, yeah, okay, so you see with the situation with uh, going on in the, uh, uh, you know, in the country on testing, and then on top of it, you know, the virus is spiking once again here in the United States, and it's just uh, it just makes you just uh, begin to wonder, you know, uh, what's going to happen next. One thing I think that what we need to remember, and keep in mind, you know, this is just my thoughts, you know, um, I don't know about yours, but, you know, Requiring a mask in stores and you know having mask where you're wherever you're going in social gatherings I think it's the one of the best and then the greatest ideas. I haven't seen anything Particularly outrageous around here in my area that I have seen so far uh, You know whenever I'm in a store, you know, uh, basically uh, They're you know, everyone's following the rules correctly um, <laughs> You know, it's more of the younger generations that I've seen so far um, I'm talking about, you know, the teenagers, um, some, some people in my age group are not following the distinctive rules. There's some people, you know, in, you know, the older generations as well, you know, that are not following the general rules on requiring, you know, and how, and, and, you know, wearing a mask and staying, you know, staying away. And, uh, if you're, you know, if you're involved in, uh, you know, in the general public, that there's a possibility, you know, that you could be, Affected you should stay away from uh, you know people if possible, you know, uh, you can't uh, you can't do that all the time We d- I do understand but uh, at some at some point in juncture you do need to make sure that you are doing the thing correctly And uh, yeah, so you gotta you got to keep that in mind You got to keep that in play and if you can do, do If you can do those kind of type of things, you know, yeah, uh, it's going to work just fine I do believe that's about that's about all I'm going to be talking about the uh, you know the situation with the re, you know the requirement of the mask and uh, things that are going on like that uh, you know it's uh, it, it's something that we do need to go take and actually uh, you know keep in mind there. Meanwhile, uh, there has been uh, a lot of talk about you know sports getting back to normal once again. Sports you know, sports, uh, you know uh, beginning again. Major League Baseball began this past Thursday uh, evening. With the 60 game, uh, the 60 game run to, uh, you know, to the, to the pennant. They've actually even included where there'll be, uh, I think, uh, up to 18, 18. uh, Yeah, I do believe it is uh, 18 uh, teams that are a possibility that will be uh, going to the playoffs. So it's uh, going to be quite of an interesting uh, season uh, right now. They they just ratified that before the season actually began at six o'clock last night with the Yankees and the and the Nationals. So uh, it is does that, is the does this mean that uh, they're going to get to the playoffs? Um, I sure hope so. God willing that they will be able to get to the playoffs this year for baseball itself. Um, the NBA is doing like a summer league this year. Not all teams are participating. I think they're going to be in Florida and California, I do believe. So we'll see what uh, goes on with that as well. So there's a lot of great things that are going to be happening this year, and it's uh, it's uh, quite interesting. But I know that there's a lot of people that are Cubs fans out there, and they really want to know uh, about what's going to happen with the team this year. And, you know, with the new manager, David Ross, how excited that he is on getting – you know getting the season started and all the, and all of this uh Len Casper had the ch- chance to sit down and uh talk to uh talk to David Ross uh this uh this uh, past week and uh we're going to be we're going to listen to what he has to say about how he feels about the uh about the season and uh Let's go to that interview with Len Casper and uh, uh, manager David Ross.
5: It is great to have with us Cubs manager David Ross. Rossi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Len? Good to see you, buddy. Same here. We've talked in the past about some of your influences. You you played for so many great managers, so I'd be curious to to hear some of those names in terms of influences on you as you look ahead uh, to this job, and not just managers, but maybe former teammates as well.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I think you know, obviously, Joe here at the end of my career, uh, who just left, I have a ton of respect for him. Winning uh, under him and, and being a part of that atmosphere that that he creates, um, he, he believes a lot of the things that I believed as a player. He put into place as a manager, and so. Um, finding that, that line between him and, and another one I, I compare him to and, and, and vice versa is Bobby Cox. I played for Bobby uh, probably as a reputation, probably a little more old school uh, than Joe. Joe used a little bit more of the information, but really similar in the way they handled players uh, and went about their business of watching the game. I think Joe, Joe's a little more old school at heart. Uh, than a lot of people uh, would believe if you really talk baseball with him. He believes in, in the core values that I, I believe in. Bobby Cox was the same way, treat people the right way. Um, you know, trusting in the players, um, making the right decision for the group, treating everybody the same, giving the players a lot of freedom um, to go out there and play. Uh, both those guys stood out to me. And then, you know, early on, in my, I played for a lot of great John Farrell, one of, one of and Tori Lovello is a great manager now in Arizona, was our bench coach in Boston. Got a ton of respect for and then I go back to as a rookie and and Jim Tracy in LA and the kind of small ball game that we played out there uh, with our great pitching staff and and so I've got a little bit of that influence on me uh as well.
5: And what about some former teammates you know when you when you came up you played with some veteran guys who probably felt like your manager at the time Uh, and then as you became a veteran guy I'm sure you became really good friends with some guys who had managerial aspirations.
3: Yeah, I look back and now, like former managers on some of my early teams, the Dodgers, Alex Cora was there. Dave Roberts uh, is a huge influence in my life, uh, just on and off the field, uh, and in my family life. He's such a, a good quality human being. He took me under his shoulders, uh, under his you know, put me under his wing, and, and uh, early on in my career, and then played with Ron Munture, who got a chance to to manage the White Sox, uh, and we're we're pretty close. Um, and then, you know, I get it to to Atlanta and, and, and Brian McCann. Uh, I was going through a transition for me of, of being a guy who wanted to start and really backing up an all-star and um, really just how he spoke positively in every situation. And, and I, I realized how that made me feel uh, personally and, and tried to ask myself why I didn't do that, do that for others more. Um, you know, all those things were – Um, were influenced on my life. I'm probably missing out on a a ton of guys that that, uh, impacted me and and my career, but those are the first ones that come come to mind.
5: Absolutely. Uh, Now let's look back at your Cubs career. Wasn't that long, but you're a Cub for life for a very good reason. Um, Did you see this team going from where it started when you got here to becoming the World Series champion at the end of your career, which was less than two years later?
3: Uh, I, well, I don't know that you ever foresee that, right? But, I mean, obviously, you, you recognize the talent. I remember my first spring training here uh, in 15, and, and the young talent that was on the field and, and the guys, the at-bats, um, and really that, that kind of turning point. I remember the, the San Francisco series when they came in and we swept them in 15 at Wrigley, and I was like, whoa. This, you know, we, we kind of took off from that point. Um, and and we had such a good mix of, of veterans and um, a uh, uh, youth, and then the following year, and the move they made, and going out and getting some key pieces with the Zobrist and uh, bringing Dex back. Uh, John Lackey gets no love, uh, I don't think publicly and in the big scheme of things because of um, coming in for that one year, but I, I thought he was a guy we liked a little bit of edge for me in 15. Even after all we did, we didn't have that, that, that kind of edge. And he, he brought that for sure to us. And, and there's so many so many pieces that got to kind of fall in place uh, along the way. But uh, you definitely saw it was a hunger after 15 and saw the potential uh, when things were clicking and then walking into spring training in 16 and having that target and uh, and Joe's mantra of embracing that and, and really um, you know, being the team is, is is supposed to win it all and, and going out and doing it, I think, is a much, much tougher task than people give it credit for.
5: Yeah, and of all the things that you mentioned, you know, I think another thing that kind of gets forgotten is about the 30-start stretch Jake Arrieta had between 15 and 16. You caught uh, one of his no-hitters. Uh, The the story I like to tell, before his second start in 16, we were in Arizona and uh, walked into the Starbucks across the street on the Sunday. And I said, how you doing, Jake? He goes, I'm just going to dominate some people today. And he went out and I think threw eight innings and hit a 425-foot home run. But uh, what was that like to not only catch Jake, but even the times you didn't just to watch him absolutely dominate people?
3: Yeah, well, a lot of people don't realize in fourteen I was in Boston and the Cubs came in and kicked our butt. And so um, I remember I played the game where he had that no hitter going it in, going into the to the eighth or ninth, I believe. It was really late and he was carving. And I played that game and there's some I was one of the more dominant um, I don't you don't feel dominated in the box. I wasn't a great hitter and I got myself out but I always thought it was my fault. When when I was facing Jake, you're like, Whoa, this guy's a horse, he's a number one and so that was just that alone that game uh, Helped make me the, the help me make the decision to come to Chicago and follow Johnny Lester because now I've, I knew we had two aces in Johnny and and Jake so um, yeah man Jake's one of my favorite teammates all the time the guy is has so much respect around the game from his teammates and the guys that played with him um, he you know for me catching everybody talks about my, my game seven home run is this highlight I had so many other great highlights and then one of them was Jake of that year and one of them was Jake Arrieta's uh, me catching that no hitter, and uh, I try to pride myself on game calling and defense. But he walked me through that whole whole no hitter. He had already been there before uh, in LA shortly, so uh, he was shaking me off and going to what he what he felt good good with and his strengths. And um, that that's I, I, I a highlight for sure of my moment. And then, um, you know, when you look back on the the whole of that season for him and and uh what he was able to do in 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 15 and 16 uh but but that second half he had i go back to chris medlin was the only guy that had kind of a better second half uh and i was in atlanta up until that point and jake just dominated his numbers uh from the ones i had been with with chris so um it was fun to watch and it was total domination and, and we went into uh, Pittsburgh for that wild card game. I remember, uh, you know, all the fans talking trash, and he was backing it up. And I'm like, man, to go out there and back that up and have that that sense of confidence and poise in that moment uh, just stood out to me. What a what a beast he is on the mound, and uh, how he keeps his composure and goes out and does exactly what he knows he's going to do.
5: Now, so many great memories from uh, those two years for sure. Um, let's briefly talk about the interim period. You retire as a player before you become a manager. Uh, You're doing some front office work for the Cubs. You're doing some broadcasting for ESPN. And you got to see the game from what Theo calls the 30,000 foot view. It's really weird, I'm sure at first, for not only a a former player, but a former catcher who is in the middle of the action. Game looks a lot easier upstairs, doesn't it?
3: (laughs) It does. It does. You know, I'm so thankful for those opportunities. Um, that I got to do after after my career was over and, and still keep a foot in, you know, obviously being around the team was, was so impactful for me and, and um, building relationships in the front office with that group R&D all the way down to scouts and being in the draft and uh, getting to watch that was super cool to me and, and, a, and a kind of a baseball guy. And then talking about it on TV obviously is super fun and being on that ESPN uh, group, but it is a lot different. And that passion for the daily, um, justification or uh, whatever it is that that the word I'm looking for that just kind of makes you feel whole uh, in competition I was missing a little bit you know Um, without being in that dugout I just remember sitting um, in a playoff game in Washington and seven was at 17 and and I'm sitting out there with Theo and Jay Mack and and Jed and sitting behind home plate and I wanted to know what the scouting report was. I wanted to call every pitch. I wanted to be in that dugout next to the guys and and be somebody, be a cheerleader on the bench. I just, um, my heart, uh, everything, my whole being wanted to be in that dugout. And so that just stood with me. As much as 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 I loved the TV stuff and talking baseball and especially the Little League World Series and all the cool things I got to do for ESPN, um, when you're done with a game, it's like, oh, uh, was it a good game or a bad game? I don't know what kind of game I actually had, um, and so you, you get a you get a little bit of, of like okay I guess that my job's over I go home and so there's something powerful about um, uh, uh, being able to criticize yourself whether you had a good game or a bad game or, or uh, baseball gives us that uh, immediately whether we win or lose and, and, and through our stats when we're playing.
5: A shortened season every game kind of counts double. How would that change the way you might manage?
3: We we got to come out of the gates sharp and, and some of these teams that that start playing well right away. Uh, hopefully that's us um, are going to have a huge advantage in, and in a short season. And so it, there's a there's a fine line between getting off to a good start and also bringing guys along to make sure they're healthy. Because um, our depth, uh, we, we, we don't have a, t- a ton of depth in certain areas. So uh, we've got to walk that line, but yet still push forward and compete uh, with with all we have. Um, and then, you know, as a, as just the games go. I'm a guy who likes to see if guys settle into the season, what their at-bats look like, give them a little bit of leash. You know, good managers I've been around are, are patient and and let guys, you know, kind of, you know, sometimes Riz gets off to a, a rough first month and, and and you know, you can't panic in that. Um, that's with every player. Every player has good months and bad months. Uh, but I think as a, as a manager now in a short season, you got to have a little bit less of a leash that you're going to give these guys and really use your eyeballs to tell you, uh, who's who's having good at bats, who's squaring the ball up, uh, who's playing the game the way you want it to be played and, and how you think you're going to win uh, each and every night. And so um, as much as I've dove in uh, to the information and try to surround myself with as much information as I can, in a shortened season, it's going to be a little bit harder to trust uh, smaller uh, sample sizes and numbers. So uh, really using our eyeballs, talking to the coaching staff, getting feedback from the players, um, I, I really feel like it's a – a total group of, of how we're going to have to go about this and attack it.
5: Last question. This is the big picture one that's, uh, I think, fun to answer and sometimes hard to necessarily verbalize. What does it mean to you to be a Chicago Cub and wear that big Red Sea on your chest that uh, Ernie Banks and Fergie Jenkins and all the great Hall of Famers once wore and Joe Madden wore and John Lester wears and now uh, David Ross wears once again?
3: yeah i mean for me that if i had to find a word that encompasses the cubs and what it means to me it's it's family um it's it's a it's from the top down it's run by family um, our front office, uh, I consider family. We, you work together, you grind together, everybody's on the same uh, page and, and after the same goal. Everybody uh, succeeds if we win. Everybody um, continues to, to keep their jobs and is in a good place if we continue to win. And um, Just the one thing I know about this group and being in those meetings in, in the downtime is they care about character, they care about personalities, how guys are carrying themselves as well as talent. So. Um, yeah, if I had to sum it up in one word, it, you know, this organization's family to me. I, I, I care so much. You interact with these people every day, uh, yourself included. When you see uh, you and Jim, you see these guys around the clubhouse and around the field. It just, we're, we're all after the same thing. And um, that kind of unified Um, connection is what brought me back to baseball. I want to be connected with a a group of men and try to lead them to do something historic and special as we've done before, because uh, those are the special moments in life. I don't have any other agenda uh, than that.
5: Rossi, thanks so much for the time. We look forward to a great year.
3: Of course, Lynn, always, man. Good to see you.
5: That's
1: David Ross, Chicago Cubs manager. All right. and Thank you so much to Lynn for doing that. So uh, that really uh, puts it in perspective for the season with uh, talking to the manager of the Chicago Cubs, David Ross. And the season began uh, on Friday night, and it continues on with the Brewers over this weekend. And um, I do hope that uh, they have the chance to do a fairly good job this year. Uh, We are, you know, we're, we're so close, you know, only 60 games this year and that's all that, that we're going to be having this year so it's uh, not that many it's not that mi- it's not that many uh g- it's not that many games so we gotta make sure that we uh hype ourselves up and do good this year anyways uh that will about do it for the uh show itself uh this weekend And uh, keep in mind that, uh, you know, uh, if you want to be part of the uh, show, just go ahead and feel free to uh, give me a shout out. Uh, I'll be happy to uh, have you part of the show here. And uh, we can Skype and we can do, uh, you know, we can do an interview or something. We can do something that uh, whatever would be on your mind. We, We can talk about anything that we would really, really would like to talk about on the show so uh, please feel free and if you have any ideas or anything that you need to you know that, that you would like to let me know please let me know that as well so uh yeah it's going to be quite interesting so i hope that you enjoyed it and hope you will uh join me next week uh for another great podcast on the weekend with gary have a great week everyone
0: Hey, I hope you enjoyed the podcast this weekend. I hope uh, we will be back next weekend for another great uh, podcast. Uh, If you ever want to go take and actually uh, email me or anything, uh, just go ahead and uh, get in contact with me uh, by email at gcoli at gmail.com. Again, it's g k o h l e y at gmail.com. And we thank you so much for listening to the podcast uh, for this weekend. Until next weekend, we will see you then. Have a great weekend.